welcome to Music Fishbowl. Hello everyone and welcome to Music Fishbowl, music chatter for all. Um, I have got a great episode for you today. Uh, I have a guest on called Ryan, who's from at VinylLad93 on Instagram. A uh, fantastic account. Go check it out. It's similar to mine. Do similar stuff. We obviously post our record collections and all sorts of musical stuff. He's great. One of the first few I followed on Instagram when I started uh, late on in 2021. But um, before I get into that that uh, that that conversation we had, uh, I'm going to actually respond to an email I got recently on the podcast. So you can all email us uh, musicfishbowl123 at gmail.com. So musicfishbowl123 at gmail.com and I got sent a press release this week from an artist called Octaf Canis forgive me if I pronounced that incorrectly he's an Indonesian rock musician and uh, the press release was for his new album Another Vision which is his second album that was released on October the 7th I really enjoyed the album when I listened on Spotify um, I especially liked the song Never Leave You Again I thought that was great and Starlight was a good song too uh, this is a fun garage rock style album uh, that I think most people would enjoy. So if you're into that thing, go check out Octaf Canis, O-K-T-A-F-K-A-N-I-S. Uh, check him out on Spotify. He's there. He's really good. Uh, go give him a go. Thank you for contacting the podcast. But uh, let's get into this conversation with Ryan. So we chat a lot about record pressing, record collecting, as we're both collectors, about uh, deluxe box sets, a lot of issues that I've been talking about on the podcast, things that I've been discussing myself, and the age-old question of releasing music after an artist has passed away, the morality of it, the one that I always go back to a lot on our po- on, on this podcast. It fascinates me, that question. So yeah, I hope you really enjoyed this conversation that I had uh, with Ryan. It was fantastic, and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome everyone to the main section of today. Um, I'm here with uh, Ryan, who is somebody who I've known for Instagram for a little while now. We've, we've had a few chats on there. And uh, when I initially asked some podcast guests before I uh, decided to take my break, uh, Ryan said he was interested and now I'm back. He's come to me again and said the same as well. Um, so really excited to have you on, Ryan. Um, do you want to tell people about your account on Instagram? Because you do quite similar to me. Yeah, so um, my name's Ryan. I'm, I go by Vinyl Lad ninety three. Um, I just basically post pictures of my collection, uh, pickups that I found, just for all to enjoy, really. Yeah, no, it's it's a great account. It is uh, for those who are familiar with with my Instagram, they'll be very familiar with the type of things you do. Um, it's it's a fantastic account. One of the first few that I followed when I set up about you know just under a year ago. So um, so yeah, it's one of the first few. It's a really great account. Um, so as people can probably tell, we're we're both Londoners, as they can probably <laughs> tell from our accents. Um, <laughs> And the way we say the word accent as well is probably a, a giveaway. But uh, but yeah, no, so we're, we're very much, we know the London music scene very well. We know the record scene. I suppose today we're probably going to end up talking a lot about collecting and things like that as well, because we're both collectors. So um, you said something to me uh, before we came on that you've recently listened to. And this has been something we spoke I've spoken about in the podcast quite a bit, uh, to the new Revolver Deluxe Edition. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, so upon first listen, I thought, I thought, it was fantastic. Um, mm. The clarity in it is just amazing. You, mm. Like the demixing technology as well has come such a long way recently. 
compared to what it was before you know um being a music man myself as well i've um i've previously sort of dabbled in making music in the past mm. and i was using a form of demix so just sort of trying to isolate certain instruments yeah to try and demix certain tracks that we've made that we didn't have the files for and the technology has come such a long way you know yeah, it's, it's far beyond... Because this, with this set, they said... Uh, Giles Martin said that before the Get Back film, the technology wasn't there, which is why they started with Sgt. Pepper's, because that was done on six-track six track recordings, I think, whilst yeah. Revolver is four-track. Well, it's, it's along those lines, anyway. I know Revolver's definitely four-track. So he said the technology wasn't there, and then Peter Jackson developed it for the Get Back film, and the only person he's let use it is Giles Martin. So yeah. it's, it's a great piece of kit. Um, what do you think of the outtakes and things like that as well? See, the outtakes, there could have been some more outtakes. Um, mm. So other alternative tracks, you know, because we got quite a few tracks that were actually on the anthology. Yep. So it would have been nicer to hear other takes, you know, opposed to them because they've been widely available for some years now. Yeah, but, since um, the 90s, isn't it? They've already been yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, as, as as for some of the outtakes, it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, the version of Here, There, and Everywhere as well. Uh, mm. Take six, I think it is. Yeah, it's, it's just... they're so. I I think my my thing with it is I I love how compared to the other box sets we've had, other than maybe Let It Be. Let It Be is different because the Let It Be box is very much like you're in the studio with them, which is yeah. what was intended. But with the others, I think this one has probably the best, apart from the Escher demos, which are which are amazing on the on the White Album, they, they probably have the best quality in terms of differences between the takes. Things like Andrew Burke and Sing sounds like the birds on the like original few takes. Yeah, and then the obviously... um, first version of Andrew yeah. Burke and Sing is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, as well, that, that could have been obviously a solid contender for the album as it was in its first version totally agree it's it's that i think that's so it's i mean i like I, I just love how obviously if i needed someone is a direct it, just taking a guitar part pretty much from the birds and putting it in it's from a very specific bird song as well i can't remember the name but um that's on rubber soul obviously so he's george harrison has carried over the guitar playing into this album uh and you see that on andrew birds can sing but they probably thought it's a bit too on the nose by that point and decided <laughs> to change it maybe i don't know but yeah. the i where why where, I, I i love the fact we got the sped up version of rain as well the original uh take because it is manic <laughs> it's just a <laughs> manic take um i like that as well and i like the working tapes of yellow submarine that was interesting really yeah, interesting the work in progress was interesting with that just going from you know uh similar to strawberry fields actually what we got with sergeant peppers you know with the basic mm. guitar demo on acoustic guitar to the first version and obviously what it evolved into mm. uh, very similar to that yeah and i'm so into the fact that we get to hear an unfinished even like they're repeating lyrics because they don't have it finished yet with paul and john playing together because those moments of hearing the beatles writing that's kind of part of what made the get back documentary so special is that we got yeah. to see Paul write the songs and, and you got to see him write Get Back and things like that. You actually saw it. And that, it feels like, it feels a bit too intimate, right? It feels like you shouldn't be there. It almost feels naughty hearing it, right? <laughs> Do you know, um, with, with Get Back, honestly, 
the job that was done on that was absolutely fantastic. It looked like mm. it was recorded yesterday, you know. It yeah. made me want more. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, it's like, isn't there like 15 hours of footage and like, like something like, oh, am I getting that wrong? Is it 15 hours of recorded of, of, of audio and something like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's more, like, it's more audio than recorded footage, but I think there's 15 hours of recorded footage. Yeah. And they, they they got all the audio, so it's like they give us another eight hours. We uh, yeah. you know, like, it'd be amazing. Like I just I, even in podcast form as well. Yeah, I'd yeah. definitely listen to that hundred percent. You know, it's it's like it's, it's amazing. And I, I was listening to the Word in Your Ear podcast, and um, David Hepworth said that uh, isn't it amazing that we have all this footage of a band in the studio? Isn't it more amazing that it just happens to be the biggest band that's ever existed? You <laughs> 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 expect like a band like Aardvark, like some weird prog rock band to have something like that, that no one really knows that well. But uh, <laughs> the fact it's the Beatles. Um, it's incredible. There's too many, um, I will say on the Revolver though, there's too many backing tracks in there. Yeah, too yeah. Too many. I'll, honestly, I, I, can't, I can't wait for the next uh, Deluxe edition we're going to get. And obviously with please please me coming up to 60 next yeah. year that's looking as a potential you know our next potential deluxe set yeah i wonder what they're going to put on it because there's obviously that's recorded in a day no i think there's only about i think there's only two songs that didn't make the album one of which went on to the next album so i think i wonder how they're going to fill it but i they must have, it must be identical takes of the songs and they pick the best one. So I assume they could put that out. Maybe just yeah. make a smaller set. It's just because it's the remix really is what's important. Like, yeah. Um, what, what was the other content? Uh, one after 909. And oh, yeah. how do you do it as well? Mm. Yes. The... Oh, yeah. Because they got, yeah. And those recordings, even though they're on uh, one anthology, they could, that, that first anthology album needs a clean up. Yeah. They could do that. That would work. I like the idea of that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what's what's the other recordings? The, the very the earliest of recordings. But, but Same could... Mood Show was a contender yeah. for the album that I think um, George Martin didn't like it, so that's why they didn't use it. They're basically fair, at the mercy of. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's a sweet enough song, but it only works really for an anthology release. Like I wouldn't want it on a on an album. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah, I think they went with instead of that. I think they did. Uh, they did Misery, I think, was the choice they did instead, I think, if I remember rightly. But I'm not sure. Um, well, I'd like to hear that one. I think we've also got Peter Jackson saying he's working on the, the Hamburg recordings as well. I'm trying to get that, because that's just one guy with a microphone in the crowd. Yeah, so um, obviously there's a lot of legal battles with that, but um, Peter Jackson's actually... I read somewhere that Peter Jackson's offered his time for free to yeah. remix that himself. Yeah, I think that'd be amazing to hear that because we haven't got any. Oh no, we do. We have some clear recordings. It's again, it's a bootleg, but there's obviously the the Decca sessions. Yeah, we have obviously got Pete Best on drums there, and they are clear, good quality recordings because obviously they're done by Decca. Decca were amazing. The the sound of their recordings back then was just immense, honestly. And technically, a budget label as well doing yeah. it which is amazing and you look at like the early stones recordings and how they managed to make them sound so punchy is is beyond me they still sound fresh and vibrant oh, definitely right? definitely and then you've got things like pie records as well which is basically the same thing but even more budget but then they had like the kinks and donovan <laughs> and like it's ridiculous, ridiculous. See, so, so, I, you go. I read somewhere as well uh 
talking about the kinks the um player actually disposed of a lot of their master tapes no hence why we've only got a lot of kink stuff in mono oh really yeah yeah i wondered why that was oh so i guess it's anything from uh so i guess anything from probably pre-1966 onwards i'd imagine they probably have got rid of yeah i think the stereo after that isn't there Waterloo Sunset and all that is all that's all in stereo, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. um, a lot of the early stuff is simulated stereo, and um, I'm ah, 100 sure that they lost a lot of the master tapes along the way or just disposed of them. I reckon they recorded over them, yeah. budget, budget label that could be the case. Which is a shame, but again, yeah. with this demix technology, this come about, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, it so is. It so is. And you talk about like box sets, the state of box sets now. Obviously, we've got the Queen Miracle box set coming out. Are you a Queen fan? Do you like Queen? Yeah, I like. I like Queen. Yeah, because they got the Miracle box set coming out now, which is obviously Freddie. Basically, because he knew he was dying, Freddie just crammed him recording like mad. So there's hundreds of recordings of him just unreleased, and yet like there's about seven or eight backing tracks on it, like a whole disc almost of backing tracks. Yeah. And I'm like, why? This isn't karaoke. <laughs> um, do you know what? I'm actually I, I need to look up on that one. I, I've I've vaguely seen something about it, but I'm not too clued up on that. But um, that's definitely saying I would look into it myself. Yeah, because like, I think it's quite expensive though. Like we're looking at like 150 plus pounds to buy it on vinyl. That's on vinyl, obviously. Um, obviously, obviously, if you Spotify users will like myself, I use Spotify as well as obviously. Well, my, my record collection but you know we get it for free so we'll at least get a chance to listen to it but there should i think there's about like there's literally like a disc of unreleased recordings a disc of outtakes and demos and things and then a disc of backing tracks so it's, it's i'm not right there that will be wrong but it's it's like it's like that it feels like it's that from the track listing i've seen but with that when you've got so many recordings to release like you wouldn't why would you put a backing tracks <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like, you know, the, the new Springsteen album's out this week, and um, he's done the usual. Do you know about Springsteen's recording technique, what he does? No, I'm, I'm familiar. So, so he basically goes into the studio, and he records... So the Darkness on the Edge of Town album, he recorded, um, he recorded 75 songs, fully recorded them, fully produced them, and just picks and chooses the ones he wanted, the 10 he wanted. So. Yeah, so we get box sets all the time from Springsteen with brand new tracks, and it's like, and they are just, and you know, some of them are like because of the night, which Patty Smith had a hit with, Fire, yeah. the Pointer Sisters had a hit with that, and it's like these are quality songs. Um, <laughs> his newest album, he recorded forty songs for and chose twenty odd. I, I think it's just under twenty songs. Yeah, uh, and it's like he's still doing it to this day, but it's like just release it, just put it out somehow. We just want to hear it. <laughs> It's amazing when when you hear these box sets and some some of the tracks that these artists so called junked, you know, and you think, why why did you do that? Yeah, why? yeah, yeah. I totally I totally think that I I it's some of them is like um it's oh, like the song um there's a Beatles one. What's the Beatles one? Um that that uh is it Badfinger had a hit with it? Oh, come and get it. Come and get it. Yeah. Why did they not do that? That would have fit well on Abbey Road. Yeah easy and I don't, I don't know about you i mean are you a big fan of the medley because i'm like here and there with the medley i get it's a marvel production but yeah. a load of uncompleted songs i'm also going i would have liked some complete songs yeah well. like there is that I, I just think that would have fit nicely i mean yeah no it's um 
honestly, what they what they throw out is just you think that's that's gold. I, I could honestly have a whole album full of it. Again, it's like the oh, what's what's the album? The Master Plan, the B sides yeah. complex by Oasis. Yeah. They're solid tracks. So that's, solid. I class that as an album in its own right. Yeah. I mean you know, not not a compilation. Yeah, totally. Half the world away, acquiesce. Uh, Rocking Chair is a brilliant yeah. song as well. What else is on there? Um, oh, I'm trying to think now. It's loads. It's oh, the Master Plan itself. It's good to be free. Yep. Uh, do you want to be uh, a spaceman? Is that on there? Which one? It's, do you want to be a spaceman on there? Um, I can't actually remember. I can't remember. It, it, I mean, because I know all the B sides, and I'm sitting there. Which B sides are actually on the Master Plan? Because <laughs> yeah. they do. They miss out a lot of good ones as well. Let's have a look. Because I've got, I can literally, you can the beauty of Google, right? So you've got yeah. Talk Tonight's on there. Talk Tonight, Great. Fade That's Away. <laughs> um, Stay Young's on there as well. A bit overdrawn, yeah. that one, but it is a good song. Uh, but yeah, no, that's that's it's ridiculous. <laughs> that's an, a, a B-side um, compilation. What do you... Here's a question, because this is something I've asked on the podcast before and we've never had a definitive answer, so I'm almost like collecting data for a survey with it, right? Yeah. Um, when artists have passed and they then release content that the artist decided not to release, what's your thoughts on the mora- on, on the morality of that? Yes, that's a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one because obviously they didn't want it out in the first place. It's Again, they've they done that with Prince. You know, he, that's, he had that's the none of his stuff on streaming services like Spotify. No... It's widely available. Mm. You know, as soon as he passed, that's it. You can get his stuff anywhere. Plus his version of Nothing Compares to You, which has been unreleased for, you know, the past 30, 40 years nearly. Mm. Um, is a touch and go one, really. Yeah, because there's obviously... The morality is, is that both sides kind of have a point in terms of the fact you should respect the artist's wishes. But yeah. at the same time, the artists love their fans you have to sort of second guess, would they want the fans to be able to hear everything that they did and to give them more music because they enjoy having more music by them. And it's yeah. like that they, they've been used to having an album every couple of years by them for 50 years, then they pass and now they don't have that. And it's a big loss. Yeah. So it's like, what, what do you do? Like, oh, I, I assume nowadays there's, there's, there's talks about it. I know obviously David Bowie wrote extensively about it in his will and so did Freddie Mercury and things like that. They, they had the super tight wills, but Prince yeah. didn't have a will. So that, that might be why it all got put onto uh, to, to Spotify because he didn't have a will. So those legal, legal holdings around recordings and things like that would have been very murky. Yeah, yeah. Obviously it all falls onto who, because he owned his own masters. Yeah. That all falls onto who got their hands on them next and what they wanted to do with them, Which basically. It may have been ruled out because, obviously, because he didn't have a will, he has, I think he has one family member who basically could get everything, which was like a cousin or something like that, or yeah. might have even been an in-law. I don't know, something like that. Anyway, there was, I mean, there was hundreds of people who came out and said they're a prince's child. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as soon as they demanded the DNA test, it was literally like only one was left, and it was DNA from DNA testing was deemed not to be the case. Um, but like, I wonder if the court obviously has to then divide everything up. So would they have sent them back to the record company, the masters, maybe, you know, to earn something themselves or just, just to get, it, it depends how, how the family see it. You know, 
Yeah. You want to give back to the masses, you know, to all the fans, then great, you know, it is great. Yeah. I mean, I think the best run estate is Frank is Frank Zappa's estate. I think his estate is run so well. It's run by it's armor, isn't it? His son that runs it. Yeah, the amount the amount of albums that guy's got is just unreal. And the amount of content I believe that we still haven't heard from him. Yeah. Again is unreal. Because he he was an extensive, extensive archivist of his own life. Even yeah. to the point when he would walk around the house just recording the house, like the sounds. Um, <laughs> so like there's still recordings of him and his family when his family were children, like that they're they're looking to potentially release so you can see the real man behind Zappa, if you get what I mean, but yeah, yeah. like I'd love to. I don't. My thing is, is that we get so many live recordings. He, he's got a basement in the bottom of his house, or he had a basement in the bottom of his house where he just had loads of reels of tapes of things he'd recorded, and it was literally like this show, then the next night show, then the next night show, then the next night show, <laughs> all just recorded. The guy is 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 a, a genius. Um. So okay. So what kind of so with your collection and the music you listen to as well what would you say is your your go-to genre let's say or type of music or what would you say ryan i see i've got a big soft spot for Britpop, mm. but then i say my go-to albums would always be revolver mm. or the satanic um oh, what's it called the satanic Oh no, Satanic Maj- uh, Majesty's Satanic Requests. That's that's the one. The Rolling Stones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's again. That, that's one of my favorite albums. So such an underrated album, you know, and it, it's yeah. been disregarded by the Stones themselves. Yeah, but... it's. I think it's because people go. It's it's six months after Sergeant Pepper's Sergeant Pepper's clone. It's kind yeah. of like what people try and pass it off as. But I think it's a great album. Beautiful, yeah, psychedelic it's... album. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of my go tos. Um, what's what's another one? Regeneration by the Divine Comedy, as mm. well. That's, I listened to that so long. I I'll go put that on my list again to listen to. Yeah, that's <laughs> again such an underrated album. Um, and mm. I, I, I know it's a big change in sound for the Divine Comedy themselves compared to you know the the first couple of albums. That, what was it? Liberation and Promenade or Promenade? Mm. Yeah. And then they got Radiohead's producer in to produce. Um, regeneration give it a completely different sound i i thought it was fantastic but it's it's a shame that they didn't sort of continue on with it yeah it's probably quite divisive isn't it because when a band switches up their sound especially a band where like the divine comedy are i mean they're a huge band but they're not on the level of a radiohead let's say right so yeah. if they start losing fans to them that's big money as well oh yeah so they have to yeah. really walk a tightrope um yeah no i mean like i, I when i you know i'm 2010s teenager right i was doing like the the, the Britpop revival right so when they when they released that documentary and then it spiraled on and it became this huge thing and oasis became huge again like three yeah. years after the three or four years after that breakup they just became huge again and suddenly all the football lads were listening to oasis as well so i was like, <laughs> not not that i'm a football lad. i don't play i love football I, I i watch it all the time but i don't play it i'm not i'm not a football lad but i i was one of the early adopters because probably because i wasn't a football lad but uh <laughs> but, you know, like i was part of that and yeah i fell in love with oasis and uh and 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 blur i actually really fell in love with 13 as an album i love that album yes that's, that's a great album it's just so emotional and atmospheric isn't it I, I like the album Think Tank as well. Yeah, actually. I that's, like that. That's another one that 
you don't really hear of much. You know, you hear people going about park life all the time. I'd always say, yeah, 13 and Think Tank are my, yeah. my favourites. That's a, that's two of my favourites. Those two, I, I love them. I mean, I think my favourite, actually, no, I tell you, like, my favourite Blur album is uh, is Modern Life is Rubbish. Uh, and that's the that's... one I've got on uh, on vinyl. Love that yeah. album. That is, um, again, a great album. Early Blur, For Tomorrow kicks it off. Chemical World's on there as well. Fantastic, just fantastic songs. And B-Sides Chemical World was a brilliant cover of Maggie Mae as well. Yeah. which is so good so good um so what would you say okay if we did like a top five artist bands what would you say yours is top five would definitely be uh the beatles um divine comedy oasis the bgs oh that's interesting yeah yeah and it's hard to pick a fifth see i like tari m a lot growing mm. up as well but then i also liked nirvana a lot mm. so yeah, I think it says, says on your page Nirvana's your first album wasn't it yeah Nirvana Nevermind was one of the first mm. LPs I ever received so mm. I got that given to me by a family member mm. well my granddad actually gave it to me and it turned out to be my dad's original copy oh. that he gave to my granddad wow wow yeah, that's, that's that doesn't feel normal. <laughs> like usually, <laughs> usually it's the other way around, isn't it? You, do, you don't recommend the new music to the elder statesman, but uh, but yeah, well, like your granddad is into it, man. That that oh. kudos to him. <laughs> my grand, I, I, I walked in once to like when my granddad, when, sorry, when he was around, and I walked into the yeah, house, he's sitting there listening to 50 Cent and Eminem. <laughs> and I uh, love that. He was like, Oh, till I claps, what a tune. Fair enough. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's fantastic. He, yeah, he's the one that got me into music in general. But he he was a jazz man. Mm. Who wore, you know, like wall. Love love a bit of wall. He was, was a, a member of Ronnie Scott's as well. Oh so, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, used used to go down there a lot. He. See, he didn't get me into the Beatles. That that's something I found myself. But you know, he he loved things like Led Zeppelin as well, and mm. Pink Floyd. He absolutely loved. Yeah, but it was sort of thanks to him and his wide variety that I got into music and and vinyl in general. You know, I think that that's something I noticed from from your account is is like you're like me, right? The variety is huge, and my my collection doesn't even take into account all the music I like. Because there's just no, there's not room. I've had to get rid of all my 80s pop stuff I had. You know, I had loads of like, I had the first three Kylie Minogue albums, things like that, because I love that stuff. Like, don't get me wrong, it's great. I'm well happy. I had, I had the first three Rick Astley albums. They all had to go because I had to make room for the stuff I just love more, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, you know, it doesn't take it into account. The closest thing I have to that now is I've got a big synthwave collection because I've really got into synthwave. <laughs> but that just feels a bit more legit to me to have on, on vinyl, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, See, I've I've had to downsize my collection somewhat, um, you know, when times have gotten a little bit hard and stuff, and it's mm. it's always painful. But then you can always sort of replace it later on, you know, which, which I have been doing slowly. Mm. But yeah. there, there, some albums I just won't get rid of. 
You yeah, know? I, I'm like that. I mean, pretty much now, everything I've got now, I really would struggle. Like, I think the next things to go would be like the greatest hits of Scylla Black, things like that, which is really cool. And it's cool 60s pop music, but like, I'll <laughs> probably be the next to go. But the thing is, is like, I'm, I'm lucky because I don't know about you. I don't know what like, kind of the kind of money you spend on, on your collection, but I'm, I'm, I'm for sure a budget collector. So, yeah. you know, like most of my records are between a pound and five pounds what I spend. <laughs> So like, I got sticky fingers with the original zip, uh, with the original uh, opening. The one that the, the it's one of the early factory ones where it opens up to show an inside image of um, an, an inside Andy Warhol image of, of the briefs. Oh, wow. um, I got that for a fiver because it's just it's not in good condition. But I I cleaned it up and you can clean it up. You can use a bit of tape and some glue, grit stick to stick things back together, things like that. Obviously, the disc you can just give a wash and use yeah. it's fine. You know, um, I got that for a fiver. And that's I mean, like yeah, but that's the thing. I like, I've, I've been collecting since twenty eleven. I think you you've been going longer than me. But I waiting for the deals. I I set myself a challenge to collect all the Elvis albums, as in studio soundtrack and. Uh, and um live i've got two to go just live ones but i did like a mass purchase of like 15 elvis albums on discogs and i felt dirty after it it just didn't feel nice <laughs> you know because i like finding it in the wild for a pound or for whatever you know budget yeah. like yeah I, don't get me wrong like i will spend like the, the new springston album i pre-ordered i paid 40 quid with postage but that's the most i've ever spent on a record like yeah that is the most a, a lot of my vinyl i Again, because my, my granddad was a vinyl man, he was like, oh, you, you can't have the CD. You want an album? We'll go down the West End to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he was happy to let me have a mini disc player. You know, oh. so I've still got a lot of mini discs, actually, and some pre-recorded albums. But um, so stuff like, uh, oh, what is it? James Blunt, Back to Bedlam. Fantastic album. You know, that that's worth a fortune now. I bought that. Back in 2006, 2007, Robbie Williams' greatest hits on vinyl. I think that was saying like £13 out of HMV. Mm. Again, that's, that's worth fortune. Uh, sing When You're Winning, another rarity. So, yeah. sort of early 2000s, mid 2000s albums. And then they. They could literally go up more now because obviously they're they're repressing the Robbie Williams albums for the first some of them for the first time on vinyl. Yeah. Right. If you've got a like if you've got a vinyl copy of the original, if they did produce it on vinyl, like with that new repress, it can raise the price more because people a lot of people are original collectors. And if they're only going to collect original pressings, then they're gonna have to pay the money now. Like because <laughs> you know, everyone else is buying the other one, so it becomes a much more niche market, so they can start charging more. So the yeah. value will just shoot up. Like, so I find it very, so when an album first gets reissued or announced, for let's say about a year, the price of the original pressing drops, and then it will just skyrocket. Yeah, yeah, it's so worth waiting if you ever do sell like that, like, it's so worth just waiting for that to happen, and it, yeah. that's, all, that's all the market, isn't it, you know, the market's, the market is supply and demand, right, it's not just, uh, well, it's supply and demand, and it's also um condition as well is, is obvious but yeah. let's say you've got a mint condition everything you've got is mint condition and obviously you know if when they release a new pressing obviously demand and supply goes up demand for the original goes down yeah so the price goes down but then obviously once the uh repress sells out <laughs> suddenly oh demand goes up again because there's none left and people are now alerted to it because it's sold out and you know the supply 
goes down, so the price goes up again. So it's just, it's a vicious See, cycle. As well with uh, David Bowie's Earthling album just mm. just been released. I think it got well just been reissued. Sorry, I think it got reissued in um, August. Mm, yes, and e- even that once. I think once the initial batch sold out, the price of that just skyrocketed, even yeah. for the issue. And I, I was like, well, I should have bought two. But <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, I know, I know this is my problem. My album came out like that, but because I'm a budget collector and I, I don't like to just go out and just go, oh, 25 quid there, willy nilly. I'm very selective how I buy things. I miss out all of the time, which is why with the Springsteen one, I just went, I'm going to get his own store exclusive. It's on what they call like Nightshade Green vinyl and i thought i'm gonna get that it's a store exclusive i'm gonna pay the money it was only a five or more than it would have cost me to get the uh black vinyl anyway and it's like <laughs> fine yeah, i'll pay that so i thought yeah i'm gonna do that and uh yeah i'm so glad i did because you know if that sells out i would have been so annoyed at myself you know i just yeah. oh, would have been so annoyed but that's that's the thing isn't it with, with, with record collecting obviously it's 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 it can be costly depending on how you do it and it's getting more costly even to be a budget collector. Like a lot of things I would have paid a pound for, I'm now paying a fiver for. But that's yeah. fine. You know, it's still not much. But, it, you know, as, as a hobby as well, it's it's also, it, you know, the, the part of it, like, I, I, I have some records that I probably will never listen to because the joy of just owning them means <laughs> a lot. Like, yeah. I've got like a, an, an, a traditional Indian album which i probably never listened to albeit i quite like that style of music at times as well you know like i i do, I do quite enjoy Ravi shankar and things like that yeah. but like i'll probably never listen to it but i own it just because it's produced by george harrison <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just it's quite pathetic when you think about it but at the same time you feel really good <laughs> i'm i'm very similar i'm very similar again when when i had to sell some of my collection i saw i, I passed up some of them albums you know that I knew I wouldn't play as much yeah. as it paid me to do it. I, I just had to sell it. I, I had a copy of ELO. Um, oh, what's the last album? Zoom from mm. 2001. Oh, wow. Original. Uh, yeah. Well, wow. Original. It was a, um, it got pressed onto vinyl wow. in 2013. Okay. And that was the only pressing that they ever done. Yeah. So that was worth a, abs- on Discogs, that was going for four, five hundred pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So I think someone offered me 200 for it. And again, that's something I'd never listened to. And it was just sitting on the side. I went, go on then, fine. Yeah. Just, just take it, you know. <laughs> I could yeah, do but, with this. But that's that's the thing, right? Like, you know, I've, I've got, I mean, the most valuable records in my collection, I've got, um, obviously, that Sticky Fingers one. Because I always said it on Discogs. So have a look. I said it on Discogs to be the lowest minimum value. I take that as being the value. Yeah. Obviously, the Rolling Stones Sticky Fingers one I've got is the highest. Now, that's obviously, you know, in the condition mine's in, it is worth a five of. Uh, but I mean, there's, you know, I mean, it's literally just because I've had to tape a little bit together because it was almost falling apart. And I was like, yeah. well, I'd rather tape it because in my lifetime, that tape's going to stay there and stick. In the future, it might not, but it's my enjoyment. <laughs> so I, I, I get it, you know. But like, um, yeah, the next one down is, is a lot of it is just obscure punk stuff that I've, oh, I've yeah. found because that stuff. Punk never died on vinyl. It stayed on vinyl during when you know when vinyl dropped. So yeah. punk music just kept going. So some of that stuff, like really obscure stuff, that's literally like pressed like forty copies that I can pick up because like um, you know a record store I go to is quite punk specific and he's got loads of good stuff. So I'm just like he just recommends things to me 
and I literally just, you know, pick that stuff up. Um, it's my local one, so I never reveal the name of it, but <laughs> but uh, which is sad because I'd love to promote him, but I, I, I yeah. never do because obviously just because of location wise. Um, but like, you know, that kind of stuff's quite expensive, and then it's usually after that, it's the synth wave stuff. It's the uh, the you know I've like my all things must pass box set. I've got I've got that. I didn't pay for that. That's bought for me as a present. The, the seventy five pound one. I've got, I got it for that. That still work. That still holds quite a bit of value. Um, so it's, it's things like that really. That 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 are, it's, it's the it's the things you'd expect to be up there. Usually, what garners the most money. Um, what's the most expensive like album you've got currently? As in like the value of it. Um, it's probably my third state beatles butcher cover ah i saw that on your profile actually today i was, I was looking to see there just sort of semi-research if that makes sense like yeah i saw that it's one of the ones we could peel it off isn't it the cover and reveal underneath the the, the butcher yeah butcher, wasn't it yeah. yeah so the pill job isn't too great on it but it's it's not too bad it's not the picture is fully intact i think if i was to take it somewhere that can pro- professionally restore them It'll look fine, you know, because yeah. uh, there's no tears in it or anything. But uh, it's it's something I'd, I've got it. That's it. It's standing in my collection. Yeah, um, that that's like a holy grail for me. But I know I would never own it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That's that's actually my second copy. I, Is it? Yeah, I had a first copy. I had a stereo one, oh, and yeah. little disaster happened a good few years back. I lost some of my records, and mm. but unfortunately, the records I lost were worth a fortune and it was yeah. a lot of my Beatles collection mm. so I had a copy of the White Album on the Pilophone label which oh, was wow. an import and that that's worth in the region of six seven hundred pound plus and you, you know I lost that so mm. how'd you lose them was it just uh, did you sell them or just... a little home disaster Sorry. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, no. Yeah, no yeah. I, I, I know people who have had like their record collection. That's why I'm so glad mine's on the second floor because uh, <laughs> I know people who have had uh, record collections get flooded and things like that. It's so sad. Like, yeah. But luckily, well, though, yeah, it's a small fire, but yeah. it, it was enough to damage one room and the box. <laughs> yeah, the box of them. Yeah. The cupboard where the box was in, you know, and the whole box was just melted plastic mess and i was like oh, oh no <laughs> so, no yeah i couldn't could think of anything more agonizing if that happened i'd be like oh no i'd hate it <laughs> oh yeah thing is, it's, it's, it's a shame you know yeah. but I've, I've managed to sort of purchase a couple you know i, I think with a butcher album, i spent about 200 pounds or something mm. but yeah again 200 pound good deal compared to what they go through like it is nowadays it is, yeah, very good deal compared to nowadays. They, they can, I've seen some of them, the people charging a grand for them. I mean, I think that's a bit rich, but I have oh. seen that, and it's just like you just sit there thinking, wow, what? Sometimes I do think, what are people actually willing to pay? Like, and how much joy does it give them parting one thousand pounds for it? Because I'm not being funny. The most most of the record collectors I know, even the ones who do spend a lot of money, they're not rich boys sitting in their mansions. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know how they do it. Like. I really don't know. Like a friend of mine spent a hundred pounds to get Queen, uh, Queen live at Wembley, an original copy of that, and like he was like, I feel so, I'm sad, I'm glad I've got it, but I feel so sad that I had to spend the money on it because it's like, it's it's a lot of money just for essentially one record or one album, right? 
yeah, um, that's that is the feeling you get when you do something like that. You know, you you think, oh yes, I've got it, and then once when you're waiting for it as well, especially because this one come from America. Mm. Now I'm sitting there sort of rattling, you know, thinking, oh, why did I do this? Yeah. And it come through. I opened the package. I looked at it. I smiled for about five minutes. I put it in the um in the slot where all my records are. And that was it. My face drops. I was like, why did I do that? Yeah, it's 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 like this is the thing, isn't it? Like I I, I was I, I don't know if you watch um uh I, I I'm trying to think of the name of the channel. I think it is called Parlogram Auctions on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, he's fantastic. But he gave five things. This is five reasons to collect, and I think he's spot on. Intellectual reward was number one. So yeah. that's uh obviously it makes you feel you know, it makes you feel good. It makes you, uh, it helps you learn about music, helps you get to listen to the music. You, you read the run out groups, things like that, all that stuff. Right. Um, yeah. social interaction, like what we're doing here through the community, well, this wouldn't have happened if we both weren't collectors and we both went on Instagram, etc. Yeah. Um, one I love is thread of the hunt. That's, that's probably my biggest one is going mm-hmm. into a record shop, going up to the pound box section, flicking through and, Oh my God, it's, it's LA woman by the doors. What? <laughs> you know, like, Oh, yeah. Oh, Roadhouse Blues. Sorry, I should say by the doors. Right. I was like, what? Um, and then um, the the what I said, just enjoyment of possession, just knowing you own it, whether yeah. you use it or not, doesn't matter. And the last one's obviously happiness. But then through that, there's things like uh, because um, someone on YouTube as well called the Padawan Collector, who does like collecting of Star Wars figures from the original Kenner toy lines in the seventies. Oh yeah. Um, he did a poll and the top two it's always whenever they run a poll of collectors like what's the worst thing about being a collector the top one's always you can probably guess right money yeah, yeah. <laughs> expensive <laughs> the second one though usually comes out as my partner doesn't understand my collection <laughs> and it's like yeah but it's also like but that that that's a mental health thing right because then you're like oh my god like because i I've, I've had that in the past with partners and it's just like they, they, they try to pretend they understand it, but they don't. And like they sit there going, you just spent £20 on that when you could have spent it on this. And I'm like, yes, but I still spent that money on this anyway with you. What's the problem? It's my disposable income here. Like, like you, you know, <laughs> you go out and spend similar amounts on things and I don't say anything because I know it's the same feeling for you, right? It's like, it's ridiculous. Like, but yeah, I, honestly, I think sometimes it should be like collector's shrinks. It's so bizarre. Like the same with like even like my parents, like, you know, I, I think I think people of all ages sneak records into the house at times and things like that, whether they live at home or not, or they live oh, out yeah. with a, a partner or whatever. I think we all sneak records in at some point, you know? Like to like, hide the bag. Is... Yeah, my, my go to is uh, it's always been my. Yeah. Mad. <laughs> yeah, and don't let them have any access to your Discogs to see when you added it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Don't let them have any access to that because <laughs> that will not that will not end well. Uh, see, I don't keep a Discogs want list, I keep an Amazon wish list <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> no, to be honest, I, I, I'm pretty transparent. I've always just sort of said, uh, but I, I do occasionally, I have hidden 
sort of hidden records coming in and things and the receipts i don't put them in my in in, in the bin where i think people would look i put them in another bin and <laughs> things yeah, like, yeah. Things like that we've um, got a big communal bin down on my way to work i'll literally just empty my pocket from that too <laughs> yeah there you go exactly yeah totally totally um <laughs> what's the best thing about collecting then because i think for me it is the thrill of the hunt it is going out and hunting and finding it what's the best thing for you yeah, it is the thrill of um, mm. finding stuff, you know, just going out and looking. And again, the social interaction. So growing up, I used to go out with my granddad because he was mm. collecting right up until he passed, really. And then after that, like when he passed, I, I had no one to go with because no people still weren't really interested in vinyls at that point. It was only... Yeah. So I started using online, you know, discogs and stuff like that. But then people that I work with, I've I've gotten actually one of my friends, he started a Instagram page because I, I got him into collecting vinyl. Mm. So again, it is the social going out, you know, flicking through a couple of records, buying a few things and going down the pub for a pint and celebrating what you just bought. Exactly. I, I did that with um, with Rishi from the Chaitaku podcast. Um, I always like to just rep him. And if I do mention him, I don't say my mate, I'll, I will rep him. <laughs> but uh, try and promote him. But we, we did it. We went to central London and we went through. And even the thread of the hunt, right? Part of this was thread of the hunt. Because obviously, obviously, like we went to the uh, we went to FOP and things like that. I, I managed to get a blue vinyl of uh, Live at Newport, the Muddy Waters record in there, which was great for about 15 quid. Oh, nice. Brilliant. Uh, I then, but we then went to like you know, went to Reckless, went to Sister Ray, we went all around, and by accident we got sort of semi lost on the way to trying to find a pub that we because then afterwards we we're just going to go to the pub for a few, right? Um, yeah. We got semi lost, but in getting lost, I found Third Man, which I didn't know was there, so yeah. I was like, oh, so the thread of the hunt there is for I'm hunting for the uh, for the actual. Um, uh, for the shop, even, and then get in the shop, you realize, oh my god, third man is reasonably priced. Like, <laughs> this is like he, he, he's doing it to be well priced for the consumer. You're in there, I got an Ashley Monroe live album recorded live in their Nashville studio, straight onto vinyl, uh, for 13 pounds. And you're like, what? <laughs> Whole album, it's ridiculous, yeah. No, uh, so, some of what, what some of what third man release is just amazing to be honest yeah. you know like that they do a lot of that direct to vinyl and yeah. i think didn't jack white released the quickest vinyl release ever or something i think so recorded think the so. track in the morning took it to the pressing plant straight away got it pressed up that afternoon and then distributed he's he's an absolute visionary like he and he's obviously now he's got his own record pressing plant he's just like he's obviously called out the big companies for not having their own ones as well and yeah. he, I think he's right. I think they do need to because they're clogging up for all these indie artists and everything. They're just he's just clogging up the whole the whole process, and it's it's like he's doing it the right way. And he's not yeah. even a major label, right? He's still quite a small <laughs> label, and he's got his own plant. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. so good. It's there's so a, good. There's only a few pressing plants left in the world, though, isn't there? I think Sony recently. That's good because well, they were the ones that want, they're one of the ones he called out. Yeah. So. It's only, I think it was about two, three years ago now or something, but... Oh, was good. Yeah, because they... Um, well, the thing is, obviously, they all closed down, didn't they? Because, um, yeah. obviously, you know... I mean, you know, I, I, 
I started collecting in 2010, 2011 when I was about 13. And I remember I'd walk into a charity shop and just pick up like meatloaf albums, things like that. What's now you wouldn't even dream of picking up that kind of thing in a charity shop. It just wouldn't happen very rarely. Yeah. Like, you know, I managed to find a Fleetwood Mac album in a charity shop the other day for a fiver. And I was like, oh my God, that's good. Uh, <laughs> that felt good. So, uh, but yeah, no, like, I think they just all closed and then literally they've they now had realized oh hang on we've got to open more but the, the the cost of opening them to be fair is huge and i think that very I, I i think they're getting scared that it's still a flavor of the month but um, the flavor of the month has lasted for about 10 years so far so exactly so it's like <laughs> I, i'm sitting there thinking like my thing is, is i think i think people have realized that this is the optimum way to listen to music as a collector there are some people who are cd collectors and things that are out there yeah but also like cds are so cheap and quick to make like th- those plants are still there so they still operate it's fine they haven't closed all of them but with, yeah. the, with the records it's like well if, if, if this is growing and getting bigger you've got to sort of meet the market now i think this thing has proved itself right like i think emi closing the haze plant i think it closed in saint like 2001 or 2002 mm, uh, that was a big one what i read that's i think that was a big mistake they should have sort of sold that one on maybe or yeah i mean it's still there um i uh yeah i mean it's, it's still there you know my, my my previous partner lives literally 10 minute walk away from there um and it's 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 still there. It's uh, it's now become one of those leisure complexes where they've got restaurants, things. It's a really nice job they've done to it, and they've they've got plaques up telling the history and things like that. It's been a really nice job, uh, but it's yeah, it's sad that that part of musical history isn't there because I mean, any album from the sixties, you pretty much look at it and it's almost always Preston Hayes because because they were also um, yeah, other record companies were you know obviously subcontracting to them to get yeah. their records pressed because it was such a big plant and so successful and quick and good at doing it. Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. Nearly any record from the 60s is just producing haze. So right. that's, that's somewhere I need to pop down to. Now, obviously, we've got the Elizabeth line open in London. We have to get down there easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. Hayes is, they have, Hayes has terrible public transport links, right? But now with the Elizabeth line, it's really good because yeah. uh, you can just get anywhere. So yeah, it's definitely worth going. I mean, I, I, I only used, I used to drive past there at one point. Uh, then I haven't been there since it's the leisure complex, but it looks really nice from all the photos I've seen. Um, yeah. It looks like they've done a really good job. Uh, but yeah, it is literally just like bars, restaurants, things like that now. Um, but but yeah, it's it's that's I mean, it's done tastefully. So yeah, yeah, still worth like just for the history, just walking around, you know, looking at it, taking it in, reading the plaques it, and all that. It's... It's exactly, that's part of it. And that's why, like, you know, when we go to Soho and go to these record shops, I always like to still just walk past, even though I've been there many times, walk past, uh, you know, K West with the Ziggy Stardust album cover, walk yeah. past, um, you know, the, the recording studio is just down the road from there. Make sure I go to Denmark Street because as a musician as well, obviously my last guitar I bought, I bought from there. That shop's closed down since. There's still a few going, but I don't know how long it'll be. So you always just want to pop in, just look at some guitars, double check, have a look, you know, yeah. make sure, yeah, make sure you're still part of it. <laughs> yeah. See, Berwick Street is my go-to when I go down solo. Yeah. As well as obviously being the cover to what's the story, Morning Glory. Yeah, it is. Got, you know, Sister Ray and Reckless down Reckless. there. Yep. And there's another record shop just around the corner, but I'm not too into that shop. It's good, but it's not. I prefer Reckless and Sister Ray. 
Yeah, I, I, I know what I know the uh, Wangi runabout. I don't I even think it's a name. No, I, I don't think it has a sign up on it. But also, like for nerdy stuff around there as well, you've got a comic book shop on the road, you've also got Forbidden Planet around there as well, uh, yeah. which a lot of people who collect things anyway also collect pop culture stuff. So it's like it's just it's just the easiest place to go as a collector just to find things. Um, yeah. and there's new shops open up on time. I think it's a real shame when the record cha- tape exchange went from there because that was so good for deals as well. Yeah, they, they, I think they knocked the building down. Yeah, I uh, think they have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, the last thing I bought from. No, do you know what? My copy of REM, Out of Time. Now, that was my second album, but the first mm-hmm. one I ever went out specifically to get. That come from Music and Video Exchange in Berwick Street. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I used to get loads there. I, I, I remember one day I walked in and for like 20 quid. I picked up because the, the bottom bit was the bargain bin, right? So yeah. for like twenty quid, I, I picked up Bob Dylan's uh, Free Willy Bob Dylan. It's back when I didn't have many good records. Like I inherited a good selection of eighties stuff from a friend of mine who I obviously a lot of them he's bought back or I've given them back to him since because it's stuff I, I ended up get, getting loose on. But at yeah. the time, I was like very equally eighties music and pop and things like that, as well as the stuff I have in my collection more now. Um, but I've, I obviously I kept still kept quite a few of them because he had a few rock releases and things in there as well from the eighties. So I kept all of that stuff. But then also, uh, yeah, but back then I didn't have any. So to go there and literally for uh, pounds, one, two pound, whatever, pick up Bob Dylan's Free Winnie Bob Dylan, Black Sabbath Volume 4, like to pick those albums up. Yeah. It's just incredible, right? I was like, yeah. whoa, this is all the stuff I really, really love. And I'm getting it for so, 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 so good value. <laughs> I mean, the pressings are terrible, but clean them up. The, Bob, the yeah. Bob Dylan one sounds amazing. It's just because people have written their name on it. It's like, well. Yeah, I. Saying that, I actually bought a copy of the freewheeling Bob Dylan from the uh, bargain basement. I got mine in the Greenwich branch, actually. Ah, oh, because okay. they've still got the bargain basement. Ah, oh, cool. I need to make because I, I think there's one in Notting Hill Gate, isn't there still? Yeah. Because I, I can get the I, I can get the one tube line nice and easy, so I I, I can get there. So I, I'm looking to potentially I should I should probably get myself down there at some point. I might see if I can take my uh, maybe because me. Me and my friend, when we last went, obviously we met on the Met Line. What, what we could do, we could actually uh, make a change and go back that way and, and pick up some records from there. Yeah. Like I change, that'd be cool. And then Rough Trace just down the road as well. Yeah. Which yeah, I've never I... been to. I've never managed to get there. Haven't you? No, I haven't managed to get the Rough Trade. The last time I went to Notting Hill Gate, shops were still closed, but you could travel during COVID. So yeah. I was I went there for a walk around to go and see the sights from the film, just as something to do. Uh, but like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it, I, I need to get there. I just, I've just i never managed to get around to getting there. See, Rough Trade East is closer to me, and mm. they do a lot of, well, they did do a lot of live performances. Again, yeah. since lockdown, I haven't seen or heard anything about them, but mm. Rough Trade was a go-to for me because a lot of these shows were free. And yeah. Kula Shaker actually done wow. a set. They played K, the album K, in full oh, for the nice. 20th anniversary. That's cool. That's and cool. it was... It was on my birthday and I missed it and I'm absolutely gutted. No. But yeah, oh. that's I couldn't no. believe I missed out on that one. Well, yeah, I I mean look, I go to my my record shop that I go to quite a lot does a lot of in store uh gigs and things and obviously, you know, it's quite a small shop so you can only fit twenty odd people in there, right? But like 
I, I go to them all if I can because obviously I support a football team. I'm a season ticket holder, so some days I just can't because I've done on Saturday, so I just can't go. Yeah. But on the days when I can go because we're away or whatever, I, I make sure I get there and I make sure I, I, I go because you know one day it might the band might be incredible and I missed it. And like they never, you know, sometimes you get like some some reasonably well known bands in the punk scene or like a well known sort of up and coming indie act that's happened a couple of times. Like a well known scar act I've seen there. Like yeah. they're all on the current scene, right? So uh, I mean, I've I've been to some. He also does like live talking, like like talking shows and things like people like Gary Crowley do a tour of record shops, uh, and I've seen him like you know the radio host. I've I've, I've seen him had a chat with him and asked some questions to him, things like that at Q and A. Uh, those kind of things are great. Um, and also, there's always the chance to buy the merch as well because I'm a bit of a merch addict when I go to gigs. Like <laughs> I went to a gig last night, and honest to God. I bought two t-shirts and two records and I've got two of the records coming in the post that I could have bought the gig as well. Like it's ridiculous. Like, so I say I'm a budget collector when it comes to the merch, I will pay out the money because I want to support the artists as well. Yeah. You know, as part of it. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, thank you for coming on today. I, th- I think we can end it there because it's coming up to almost an hour for us. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, yeah, it's been almost an hour. So I'd like to say thank you for coming on Ryan and, uh, people should go check out your account. Uh, Final Lad 93, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they should go check that out. It's really good stuff there. Really good. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. No problem. No, thank you for coming on. It's always uh, it's always great to get new guests on. And you're always welcome back on whenever. It's been a, been a really good good chat. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. No worries. Okay. Well, we'll probably have a quick roundup after this anyway. But uh, would you like to say goodbye to all the listeners? Yeah. Thank you for um, listening in. And, um, of course, check out the Vinyl Taps channel. Oh, great geez, great you. page great page of course and um yeah th- thank you for tuning in yeah no worries cheers guys thank you take care